One of the key focuses of Christmas, a lot of times, is relationships. Some look, really look forward to this time of the year. You're going to be reuniting with friends, with family. You're going to be attending socials. You're going to be going to parties. You're going to be with people that you haven't been with for a long time, but you're also going to be gathering with people that you know really well, and you're looking forward to spending a special amount of time with them. There are others, on the other hand, who are here who are really dreading this time of year, aren't you? Because instead of the relationships being good ones, you're faced with different ones, toxic ones, dysfunctional ones, depressing ones. And as a result, the time that should be spent uh, celebrating joy, peace, and, and love is filled in stre- instead with stress, with, with anxiety, with resentment. And regardless of where you and I may be on this particular spectrum, I think the reality remains for all of us that relationships are important. They really are important. And one of the results of depression for a lot of people is that they close themselves off from these relationships. Now, the reasons may be varied. There may be bitterness. There may be falling into self-pity, unrealistic expectations, being overly, uh, overly sensitive, and the list could go on. But when we end up isolating ourselves from other people, when we end up building walls in front of people, we tend to, to, to deal with some results that can be devastating. Because we were never, ever meant to live in isolation. I think that's one of the lessons that we get from Genesis chapter 2 when God looked at man and he was naming all the animals and and God said, it is not good that man be alone. And he created us to be together. He created us to have community. And one of the things, folks, that we try to do as a church here is to be in community. We want to be a family that people want to be a part of where they know that they're not alone in their relationship with God and with others and that they are loved with an everlasting love. And that type of relationship is only made possible by God and what he has done through Jesus Christ. And he gave us the means of relationship through that, through that wonderful thing that we call Christmas, Christ coming to be with us. But there are several components that we need to consider concerning relationship. And that is, first of all, that someone needs to initiate the relationship, don't they? There has to be an initiator to it. Think about a relationship in your life. Who started it? You or the other person? Over 43 years ago, I met this beautiful blonde girl at camp. Christian service camp. Ended up being there by accident, but here she was. And guess what? We got to be on the same team together as faculty. I thought that was really cool. Now, she may tell you differently, but I think I'm the one that started that relationship. I'm the initiator in that. Now, Pam has contributed tons, tons more than I have. And I am just so grateful for her more and more more so every day. And those of you who know her know what I'm talking about. She makes me look good, 
You know, can I get an amen on that? There, there you go. Uh, but she has enriched my life beyond measure. But I can take the credit for, sharing, for starting it. When it comes to our relationship with God, we are not the initiators of that relationship. Please understand that God is the initiator. And this is one of the clear and amazing distinctions of Christianity from all other world religions. In other world religions, it's man trying to somehow reach up to God, somehow trying to become worthy of being with him, somehow trying to become worthy to be God himself. And all those efforts are poured into that very reality. But in Christianity, the opposite is true. Because when we try on our own, we can't make it. And we get frustrated, don't we? We keep on trying and trying and trying and trying. And we wonder if it's enough. But in the Bible, it teaches that instead of humans trying to reach up to God, God initiated the relationship by reaching down to us. And this is seen both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the events that were pointing forward to the coming of Jesus and also pointing back or looking back at his coming. In the tabernacle, in Genesis chapter, uh, Exodus chapter 40, the glory of the Lord came down and filled that. The temple was built, the tabernacle was built, and then later on in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, the temple was built, and the glory of the Lord came down and filled those places. In Acts chapter 2, the apostles were in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit came down upon them. And when we submit to our Lord in baptism, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. But the most defining event in the history of mankind where God reached down to us was when God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. When he came as a babe in a manger to become the man who would die for your sins and for mine. And that is the gospel message. That is the truth that God wants to communicate more than anything else. And the passage that we're going to look at today is in John chapter 1. The first four verses and then skipping down to verse 14. And it looks at how God did that. You see, when we stop and think that God is the one who initiates the relationship, that's what brings hope to us. It brings hope for the hopeless. It brings help, hope for the helpless. It brings hope for the disenfranchised, the lonely, the poor, the rich, those who seem to have it all together and those who don't. And while it is always, always up to us to accept or reject that relationship, the key initiator in that relationship is and always has been God. That's why John chapter 1 starts with these words. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And, and through Him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. And we have a tendency of looking at these verses and just kind of running through them and just saying, oh man, that's so cool. You know, we've, we've read that before. That's a Christmas message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But have you stopped to really think about what that says? The one who is the creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything that we know of into existence, desires nothing more than to have a relationship with us, his created work. And he wants us to see the kind of life that is available and offer that same guidance that light gives in dark places as we navigate this sin-infested and dark, dark world. And folks, it follows that those who have tasted and seen this goodness of God, this goodness revealed to us in Christ, his people, his church for whom he died, are going to turn around and share that with others. We're the primary vehicles through whom he works to reach out and establish relationship with other people. He uses other people, and he uses us to love with his kind of love. A love that is bold, a love that is risky and costly, but that changes lives. And he calls us to be his witnesses wherever we are, and he has reached out to us to other, through, through others before us. So as a result, it follows that we should do the same. And my question to every single one of us today is that as Christmas comes closer and closer, who's on your heart? Who's that person that always comes to mind for you? That you just can't seem to forget. Oh, I need to talk to them. I need to share with them. I need to invite them. Because I'm here to tell you that God wants to use you to initiate a relationship that he wants with other people. And it may be that person that you're thinking about. But not only does Christmas remind us that God initiates a relationship with us, it also reminds us that relationship values the other person. No matter what. Isn't that how we define love? Really, when it comes right down to it, who are the people that you have a relationship with? They're the ones who stick with you through thick and thin, don't you? They're the ones that, that you want, to, that, that are there no matter what you have gone through, who, who put up with an awful lot of stuff. I've read a, several Facebook posts recently, and uh, several of my friends, people that I've known over the years, have talked about how their spouses are undergoing some difficult challenges, health-wise and otherwise. And several of them have posted that they really feel honored that they're able to walk this chapter in their life with their spouse, even though it's very difficult. And they said, you know, the, the vows for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, have taken on a brand new meaning for them. And they're honored to be able to live that out. At the same time, I've come across other posts from friends who have wept online at the betrayal and the hurt that they've experienced from somebody that's close to them. And I think that bottom line, when we deal with life, we can all agree with this statement, and that is that relationship, in order to be meaningful, will value the other person. I know this analogy breaks down, but I want you to think about that person that you really admire, 
that person that you really look up to. It could even be an athlete or an actor or an actress, a singer, somebody, some kind of celebrity that you think, man, they are it. And, and every time you hear their name or you hear them perform or watch them on screen, your heart just kind of melts. You know, the, there's this one girl, lady that I, that I know over in Michigan. She's a Thomas Magnum fan. The old one, okay? Tom Selleck. And every time you mention Tom Selleck, she just, oh, you know. And she's been married for 40-some years, you know. It's just kind of crazy. But, but she, she just loves Tom Selleck. And I want you to picture that person that you consider to be that special celebrity. And here you are walking down somewhere here in Mechanicsville. You're coming out of Coles. You're heading out to the parking lot. And all of a sudden, you run into this person. And they look at you. And they say, well, hi, Debbie. How are you? I'm so glad to see you. And they reach out and they shake your hand and give you a hug. If that were to happen to any of you, just sorry, didn't, I didn't mean to embarrass you. If that were to happen to any of you, you wouldn't wash your hand for a month. And you wouldn't even wash those clothes for a month. And you might stink to high heaven, but you would say, I got to be with that person. I got to meet him or her. That's an incredible, huh? <laughs> okay. Listen to what John chapter 1 says. It says that Jesus, Jesus Christ is the Word. He is present before a time even existed. He is with God. He is a part of the Godhead, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is not a separate deity, but He is intrinsically connected with the other entities of the, of, the, of, of the Trinity. He's created. Nothing came into existence apart from Him. The skies, the moon, the, the fog that you drove through, the stars, the planet, the galaxies were all His invention. He spoke them into being. He is too large and too big for us to comprehend. And David says in, Acts, in Psalm chapter 8, he says, When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them and human beings that you care for them? Isn't it mind-blowing that God would care for us? After all, he has a whole universe to take care of. And here he is concerned about of a speck of a speck of a speck of a speck and you and me in such a personal way that he would send his son to come and die for you. I love the first chapter of Ephesians in the New Testament because that first chapter speaks of the incredible value that God places on each man, each woman, and child. And verse 4 says, He chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in His sight. Verse 5 adds, In love He predestined us to be conformed into the image of His Son. Before anything was ever created, don't miss this, folks, before anything ever came into being, you and I were on the mind and heart of God 
Long before the first star was hung in the skies or the first mountain popped up from the earth, the first body of water was spoken into existence, God loved you so much that he already had a plan in place to redeem you, to buy you back, to make you a part of his family even when you walked away through Jesus Christ. You are loved by the King of Heaven. I am loved by the creator of all things. We are loved and valued by God. And that's what Christmas really is all about. In the simplicity of a baby coming into this world, God said, you matter. And don't let anybody tell you differently. But not only does God initiate relationship with us and value us, he also offers us a relationship that is very, very real. You see, in this age of information and social media, it's easy to say that we know a lot of people. And we've talked about this before. We can say we have X number of friends on our Facebook list, and yet, in today's world, more people today are lonelier than ever before. Relationships help to prevent loneliness. But relationships are few and far between, aren't they? For a relationship to be real, there needs to be some form of connection, some form of commonality, something that allows a thread that kind of interweaves the two lives together. Something that is shared by both parties. One of the reasons why we encourage people to go on mission trips here at Mechanicsville is that it's very easy to talk about a need someplace such as in Haiti and in Mexico and in Kenya and other, those other places like that, India. It's very easy to talk about those things. And it's very easy for us to say, yeah, I'm really concerned. I really want to help to support those kinds of things. But when we end up giving just a little bit of money here and a little bit of money there, in many ways it remains impersonal. When it really takes on meaning is when we go there. We had a group that went to Mexico this past summer. You want to know what that place is like? Ask them, right? And what you heard and what you knew became very real as you saw people, as you saw relationships, as you saw the situation unfold in which people were actually living in the despair and the loneliness and, and the substandard conditions by our standards that just broke your heart. And these folks came back so excited. Debbie, Leslie, Will, Eric, Jillian, Hannah, and, and whatever, 16 of y'all in total. I can't remember all the names, okay? So... That's, that's just old age showing up. But, but anyway, you, you, had, you had those memories firmly etched in your mind. And when, when you talk about them, your eyes light up. Or when somebody asks you about them, it becomes very, very warm and very real. By the same token, a couple of weeks ago, 
I went to Cincinnati to the International Conference on Mission, and I sent, ran across a lot of people that I know, ministers and uh, friends that I went to school with and everything. But the ones that really, really connected with me were the friends in India that I came across two years ago. Or actually, a year ago. <laughs> Those are the ones that it really meant a lot to me because we spent two weeks together. And those guys became very good friends. There's another guy that I saw that I'd been, when I'd been in Haiti in the past. And that friendship was so real because I'd been there. And here they were in my country. And we were sharing that together. You see, God could have reasons that since he created us and he knew what our needs were, he could have devised some kind of impersonal way to, to, to somehow take care of our problem and take care of our need. Kind of like, uh, you know, well, I don't know who, what to get so-and-so, so or as far as guys are concerned, you know, you get one of those famous Christmas ties or... Uh, ugly Christmas sweaters, or maybe maybe you love them. I don't know, but 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 just something sometimes comes across as impersonal. Yeah, Jason. Um, uh, <laughs> but something comes, you know, something is given, and it, and it's very impersonal. It's it's just, yeah, it's a gift. But he didn't. He made the relationship real with us when he became one of us. That's why I love John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word, who is God, became flesh and dwelt among us. He left the glory of heaven. He divested himself of all the royalty that was due him, all the honor. And he wrapped himself in human flesh. So much so that while he was living here, he said, the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. He lived life as we know it. And Hebrews chapter 4 says that we don't have a high priest up in the heavens who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who knows everything that we've gone through and has been tempted in every way just as we have been. And yet was without sin. That's how much he understands us. That's how much he knows us. That's how real the relationship is. The creator became the created. He lived among us. He faced the same challenges, hurts, joys, and frustrations we face. And he understands us. He knows us and has done and continues to do what we need most. And the beauty is that we can know him and we can worship him because heaven came to meet us. And he is Lord of all. And he is our Savior and friend. That's why John says, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. You see, he's the only one who can truly relate to us. He can really understand us. And since he knows what it's like to live on this earth with the devastation that sin has caused all around us, he is also full of grace and truth. 
And I love the placement of grace and truth. Because truth, folks, we're really good at telling the truth, don't we? aren't we? Especially when it involves somebody that we don't like or an ideology that we don't particularly care for. I mean, all you got to do is go on Facebook and you hear a lot of political posts that just really are, they may be true. They may be true, but they're ugly. Truth can destroy alone. But Jesus was full of grace and truth. Grace is an undeserved gift that we don't deserve. And that grace is expressed to us in the love that Jesus Christ has for us. And when we start recognizing that somebody before us loves us with an everlasting love, so much so that he was willing to die for us and give his all for us, then we can listen to his truth. Because his truth is not designed to tear us down, but it's designed to to build us up. And Jesus comes to us and he says, I love you. I gave my life for you. I am with you. So surrender this area of your life to me. Repent of this sin. Rethink this philosophy. Change this attitude or the behavior. uh, Repent of this sin. But you don't have to do it alone. I will be with you. And I will walk with you all the way. And that change, that change that he advocates become possible because of his relationship. He was willing to become one of us so that he could not only save us, but walk with us in this journey called life. Father, we come to you right now thinking about here comes heaven. And that's what we need. We need you in our lives. We cannot do we cannot do life apart from you. We cannot do life that matters apart from you. And so Lord, I know that there are probably a lot of decisions that are being contemplated right now. Decisions to maybe put you more at the center of this season. Decisions to, um, to focus on relationships in a way that honors you. Decisions to focus on a relationship with you and pursue that even though we don't know how. And Lord, I just pray that you will be in this moment. I know that your heart just bursts with the desire to save us. And I pray that we will respond to that invitation to come to you just as we are and to allow for the Christ of Christmas who became a man and died for our sins 
and then resurrected gloriously from the grave, conquering not only sin but also death to become the victor in our lives and to allow for us to live that same victorious life as we place our sins at the foot of the cross and find life in the empty tomb. Thank you. And I pray that you will guide this decision time. In Christ's name, I pray.